from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Connected Construction Show. I am your host, Matt Sprague. Uh, we are excited to be back for yet another episode. Today we have with us Brian Bernardo, who is the Regional Global Practice Manager for Construction at Burns and McDonald. Brian, welcome very much to the show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Great to be here. So as always, uh, and any of our normal listeners to the show, we get right into it. Uh, I want to get into a point where where we get to know you a little bit. Um, and then we're going to get into kind of the the at least the starting theme of the show, which would be around modular prefabrication, uh, history of it, uh, where it's going in the future. Um, I don't always promise that we stay on topic. Sometimes we go a little bit off the rails uh, for fun, wherever it may go. But um, as always, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um you know, personally, as well as professionally in, in, and on the professional side, you know, how did you get to we, to be where you are today? What was your journey like? All right. Sure. Um, so, uh, I, uh, grew up with, uh, grandfathers on, on both sides. I'm, I'm from a construction, uh, family, I guess you'd call it. Uh, grandfathers on both sides were in construction. My father was in construction. Um, and then as I was finishing up high school and you make those decisions, what you're going to do in college, I was like, wow, I can, uh, I can get a degree in construction. This is a, this is a perfect fit for me. I've, you know, been on job sites, uh, from a very young age and, uh, really enjoyed seeing the construction process. Um, so I went to, uh, university of Florida, um, through the construction, um, management program at the Rinker school of building construction, um, and then uh, been in the business for 35 years, uh, started started uh, in Florida um, and then uh, made my way west to Phoenix. That's awesome. So um, as I mentioned before, kind of the theme converse of, of this conversation is, is around prefabrica- uh, modular prefabrication. So, um, you know, Talk to us a bit about the technological advances that has got us to where we are today in prefabrication. Yeah, um, I think uh, so. I'd, I'd back up and say, you know, prefabrication, um, you know, modular construction, not not necessarily a, a brand new thing. Um, it's been around, uh, but really, to your to your question, the the trigger that really uh, helped move it forward was um, building information modeling or BIM. Um, it, it just brings more predictability um, into the design and the construction process. Uh, so I think that was the biggest, um, you know, personally, uh, it's been about 10 years ago or so. Once we saw the precision um, that we could get to in the BIM model and coordinate that with prefabricated components, that was, that was really the piece that, you know, before you were, you know, trying to look at 2D drawings that were probably reproduced um, and the, the accuracy, you know, you know, you're 
you know, you might be using a magnifying glass to figure out where does that dimension line go to? Is it the middle of the wall? Is it the inside, outside? Not really sure. And when you, you know, when you're trying to prefab things, if, if it gets to the job site and it doesn't fit, then, then that's a problem that creates rework. Yeah. And I know, um, a lot of the additional advances that have come along, uh, the use of, 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 um, AR and VR, uh, have really helped with that as well. You know, combining BIM with those type of things, you know, the, the, the example that, um, I actually believe this was a, an example that was, um, that came across during the construction of our corporate headquarters in Westminster, Colorado, um, that we were, we were leveraging our own technology, um, and uh, I think that someone was was wearing uh, an augmented reality headset and was able to see a clash between, uh, I think, some 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 um, some steel uh, reinforcements that that were in and the uh, in prefabrication, um, I think, HVAC system. And they're like, oh, well, that's that that's not supposed to be there. And it was able to kind of uh, then quickly change the model and adjust the prefabrication so there wasn't a massive delay upon delivery correct yeah so are there other talk to me about any type of examples um that that you've come across with projects that have gone really really well that you you'd like to kind of highlight in terms of the 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 prefabrication side yeah um so i would start with um you know probably the the, the simplest um, would be like a, a barcode um, or QR codes uh, so that, you, you know, as you're prefabricating components, um, those can be tagged and then scanned once they get to the job site and identified as to location uh, and whatnot. So that was probably the early. Um, I think, uh, as you just mentioned, you know, the... Uh, Augmented reality uh, lenses, uh, I think, are still an emerging, um, you know, uh, technology. I think that is going to have huge application going forward. Um, and then I would probably uh, see, uh, you know, the use of geospatial data um, to go along with that. So, you know, you can maybe dream a little bit and say that in the future, something, some, you know, whether it's, you know, large or small component uh, comes on site, uh, you know, you would automatically, as you're looking through the lens, kind of understand where it goes. Um, and as you're transporting it, um, it would be almost like, you know, the mapping software we all use in our vehicles. Uh, it, would, it would guide you to here's, you know, may, maybe even as far as here's the best route to get it to, um, to where it needs to go. And then, um, and then even positioning. Uh, so, you know, things like traditional layout may not be as important because of geospatial location-based uh, technologies. Uh, so, you know, I, I think with that then comes, uh, you, know, you know, reliable connectivity. Um, you know, it has to be consistent, reliable connectivity on job sites, uh, which has, you know, definitely been a focus um, over the last few years is, you know, more and more reliance on technology. Um, although there is some challenges with it when you have very heavy uh, steel structures or concrete structures, or you might be 
underground parking garages um, can still be a challenge. So it might be a little bit of a limiting factor, but I'm sure we'll figure that out too. So we have all of these advances that are happening, right? You said that, you know, because even, you know, the idea of barcodes from a description to the barcode popping up on a phone in terms of the, uh, of the model or even onto a, onto a headset that allows you to visualize where it is. So there, there's all these varying levels of, 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 of advances, right? So how do you see um, those advances and other advances, you know, impacting the industry? Um, I see it transforming the industry. Um, I see, you know, so we've traditionally construction really hasn't changed for hundreds of years. Uh, you know, we've been, uh, you know, gatherers of materials delivered to a job site, uh, uh, cut to fit and placed. And I see us really changing into more of a manufacturing, uh, more of an assembly line approach. Um, so I think, I think, um, you know, the, again, you're going to have some, some challenges, like I mentioned with the connectivity. Uh, but, but I really see it more, more transforming the industry, you know, kind of, you know, the old adage of, you know, what is, what got us here is not going to get us there. Um, we, we have to figure out for a variety of reasons, um, ways to be more efficient, execute quicker, execute more reliably, you know, from a schedule standpoint, et cetera. So, the hot button topic that that pops up all the time is labor shortages. So, and and the 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 conflicting conversation between uh, technology helping to address labor shortages versus technology taking away jobs. So so what's the like like the juxtaposition on the on the on on that side? Like where do you stand in terms of technology? Uh, and how prefabrication will help address maybe from both perspectives. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't think it's uh, any secret, the, the labor challenges that the industry is facing. And then I'd say, oh, by the way, um, you know, for some, uh, you know, the construction sites are where they want to be. And for others, uh, you know, maybe not so much. Um, so I think I think a couple of things. I think uh, what um, what the industry is seeing is that candidates prefer to be in um, uh, a warehouse or a manufacturing facility that is you know climate controlled, um, you, you know maybe not air conditioned, um, but more climate controlled than a job site may be. That's well lit. That you're um, performing your task, um, uh, you know, at, at an ergonomic kind of level. Uh, you're, you're not having to put yourself in awkward position. You're not having to work at height. Um, so I think all those are positive. I think that's a, that's a positive um, that you can maybe attract later and it, and you're not running all over, um, you know, a city or a state. That's the other thing is, you know, some people, depending on where their project is, it might be a, a tremendous commute for them. So having consistency about where I go to work, Consistency about the environment I'm working in, I think, is a positive for for offsite. You know, whether it's modular or prefab, um, and then I think that um, you know, there's there's all the other you know elements that I've I've touched on. You know, um, we're going to see safety increases, productivity increases, quality increases, uh, all all those sorts of things. 
um, as opposed to, you know, trying to get people uh, to the job sites. Yeah, I would imagine that too, in, in terms of remote uh, uh, job sites, right? Yeah. The less need to have people out there, the better. Um, right. You know, the, you know the, the more remote, the more difficult, the higher the, the, higher the cost. So with, with prefabrication, that would make a, ma a massive impact. So um, we kind of went and talked about prefab and we talked about some of the technological advances and whatnot. I'd, lo I'd love to hear uh, a project or two that you've, pr you've participated in with prefabrication just to kind of highlight like the, the, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. So are there any examples of, of projects that you've been uh, a part of that, that have really been successful? Yeah, um, a couple. I guess I'll start with the most successful, um, and it happened to be a, a healthcare project, and um, it's probably six, seven years ago. Um, and uh, what we did on that project is uh, uh, prefabricated exterior wall panels, prefinished uh, exterior wall panels, framed, um, you know, load-bearing wall panels. Um, and then on the inside, uh, the bathroom pod units uh, were prefabricated and delivered as completed units. And then the head walls uh, in all the patient rooms. Uh, so patient walls, uh, patient head walls are, you know, one of those, you know, very intensive from a, an electrical med gas perspective. Uh, and so did all those offsite. Um, the, the result of all those efforts um, save the client from the initial uh, GMP um, budget that was put together about $3 million and saved about three and a half months on schedule. Wow. Um, so that would be, so I'm thinking of like I, uh, the, those areas that it saves, right? So especially the, the head walls, I would imagine that normally like it, that would be a, the wall gets framed. And then you have to bring in specialty subcontractors that that are electrical and gas, you know, certified that cost quite a bit of money. So now you're doing the majority of that in wall work ahead of time um, where there's economies of scale within ma manufacturing. And then then it's just about bringing those specialty subcontractors in for the connections uh, for the, from from you know, the, the rest of the, the hospital. That, that's correct. That, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the metal, uh, wall framing subcontractor was in the, the warehouse, uh, manufacturing, uh, facility, uh, literally they stood up the floors almost like, uh, excuse me, the walls, uh, almost like dominoes. And so they framed, they framed the, the head wall sections. They were stood up like dominoes and then electrician would make a pass uh, do all their rough ends, run all their conduit, and med gas would follow. Um, and and you you do that after you've kind of debugged it. You've worked out templates, uh, so everything's more of a templated. There's not a lot of measuring. It's like, well, we know these head walls are all the same size. Here's the template goes on. Here's where the electrical box goes. Here's where the you know oxygen you know uh, gets roughed in. Um, so it, 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 it's really about uh, spending more time up front, pre-planning, um, and then lining up the people to execute the work 
Uh, and then, then you're completing, you know, that in your manufacturing setting, loading it on a truck, shipping it to the job site. So is the manufacturing setting currently, is it all, I'm, uh, I'm trying to frame this, uh, this idea in my head, uh, before I even say it, um, is it all this, like the same employees of a singular company, or is it still subcontractors being brought in? And, and if, if it is subcontractors being brought in, is the idea moving forward that it becomes a singular manufacturing company that has all of these assets available to, or, you know, human assets available to them? Yeah. Um, you know, my experience, and I think where most of the industry is right now is they are the subcontractors. Um, you know, I think the advantage to that is that um, they they can do, uh, you know, certain portions like we talked about the head walls, but they're also the framer for the rest of the building. So they might have a crew that comes to the warehouse to work on the head walls, but they're also still working on the job site. They're also the ones to receive and place the head wall. So it's been more of a subcontractor you know, you have those conversations with them up front here. Here's here's what we're thinking. Are you bought into this approach? If so, then some of your crew would report to the warehouse while we're doing this component. Now, I think there, you know, there's um, there was a big name out there that uh, is is uh, falling on hard times uh, that was trying to do, as you said, uh, do everything in-house. Um, uh, that's a very different model. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, might've been a great idea, uh, bad timing. I don't know, but, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a great experience or experiment into, Hey, we, we envision it could go this way. Can we do this? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's room down the road for probably somebody to try that. Maybe a little, you know, learn from, uh, uh, you know, you know, lessons learned on that approach the, you know, the initial approach. Yeah. I would imagine that it, 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 it would probably work on things that are repeatable, right? So if they, if there was a prefabrication residential company that are just pumping out the same things over and over again, then they can train people up. But on something like projects that you're working on that are, that are all custom, right? They're, they're, they're not all the same. It does make sense to have continuity between those that are helping planning and design the construction in, in the manufacturing side and then the assembly if you will and having continuity across there uh to to continue to have the efficiencies across so that makes sense right and i would so, oh god i was just gonna say sorry to interrupt you there i was gonna say so you know there's there's a lot of scalability to what you can do on the on the prefabrication side so it may be um as simple as uh pipe racks um that are that are done um and and it and it can be uh ductwork prefabricated ductwork uh you know pre pre uh assembled um you know electricians call to it as a you refer to it as a, a kit in the box so here's everything you need to rough in this uh room um and and that would be you know the conduit is cut the length already everything you know every piece they need to execute is there uh as opposed to them having to cut it on site uh run around and, and find couplings and you know uh, screws and whatnot 
Um, so that's, you know, I think can apply to just about any project. Um, you know, you just have to look for what can we do uh, that will help, uh, you know, to speed us up, to be more, you know, productive, more efficient. And then you, you take it to the other end where there's larger uh, components of the building that are that, you know, lead, you know, heads towards that modular construction that are really fully done. Um, but I think you're right that high repeatability is is a key, um, you know, like bathroom pods, uh, you know, uh, you, you think about settings like uh, patient rooms in, in healthcare, uh, you know, dormitories, um, apartments, mm -hmm. uh, you know, those sorts of facilities where, okay, the bathroom is pretty much the same, you know, you might have a left, right, uh, difference, but you have a, a lot of quantity. So then that, that makes sense. Uh, same with exterior wall panels. Okay. We've got a lot of exterior wall surface. They're all about the same. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if your building's kind of a square or a rectangle, then that even, you know, makes it, you know, that much, much, much more applicable. Um, all right. So we are, we are on time for our hot take question. All right. So we try to look at kind of current events and things like that to try to get um, your, your perception on things. So um, so the Internet, in, goodness gracious, the International Code Council uh, and Modular Building Institute, they recently launched a um, U.S. national initiative to develop standards for offsite construction. So given you know, I guess I'm, I'm going to paint with a broad stroke here, given the general distaste for regulation in the construction industry and the patchwork nature of local and state and federal regulations. What do you think about this effort? So um, I think it's an important step. Um, I, I think what the challenge has been is that um, let's say we're being creative on the design and construction side, and we want to prefab some components uh, or, or, or do some modular construction. And modular, a lot of times that is a, you might have finishes applied. So now uh, you think about the inspection process um, and, you know, uh, you know, depending on where we were, what municipality, what state, who we were working for, any oversight um, there might be into the construction process, that was that was really step number one. You had to figure that out because sometimes the answer was, okay, we can we can build these, we can pre-finish the inside, but we have to leave the backside exposed oh, yeah. so that they can inspect it in the field. Because there were some municipalities that say, no, we inspect in the field. Uh, that's the only place we'll go. We were like, you can come to our manufacturing site and inspect there. No, we don't do that. Um, and others would be like, oh, okay, sure. That's great. So I think it's, it is an important step in educating, uh, you know, building inspector, code officials. Um, and I, and I hope over time it, it really almost introduces a new section into the building code that says, okay, if you're doing, uh, some of these, you know, prefabrication, modularization techniques, then here's how, um, and even you think about how drawings are put together, you know, we typically, from a design perspective, you're showing a floor plan, you're showing how it gets roughed in um, more on a floor plan setting or, you know, or, or you break it down into smaller components. 
And now it's kind of like, and, and that's how they want to inspect it. So now it's like, no, you got to inspect this piece. We're going to do, you know, to, to fill up this floor plan, we're going to do 50 pipe racks, for example, and those are going to get fabbed off site. You know, you can pressure test them and inspect them off site. They're going to come on site. Then we're going to connect these 50 pieces together to run the length of the floor and we'll pressure test again. Um, but, you know, it's just a it's just a little different. Of, you know, you might even show uh, I don't I'm not aware of any, you know, prefabricated components showing up on call it the, the you know, the uh, records of, you know, documents of record at this point, but we could go in that direction. Interesting. Brian, uh, thank you so much for, for your time today, for your insights into prefabrication. Um, it's been really a, a, an educational opportunity for me. So I, I, I think you, thank you so much. And I, and I think our listeners and our viewers uh, are going to feel the same way. So thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Matt. Uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, and uh, everybody who's listening and watching, thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.